Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Micha Breakstone. He is the CEO and co-founder of Neuralite AI. Micha, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Nick. And, uh, and you, you got the pronunciation of my name perfect, so I'm impressed as well. Well, I appreciate that. I do try because people certainly mess up my name occasionally. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very sympathetic. So uh, as I do with all of my guests, I, I think it's always important to get some context. You've had an interesting career. Uh, you've had some successful um, past exits. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to this point, if you would. Yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, I think until uh, the age of 29 or 30, I thought I would become a uh, famous novelist one day. I was in the middle of doing my uh, my PhD. Uh, part of it was at MIT. And I saw this uh, sign that said, if you're not embarrassed to show us your demo, you've waited too long. I was like, oh, that's a cool way to be creative. And uh, I launched my first startup, which was um, not, not a great success. Uh, but I got the bug within me and I formed uh, company after company and, and reached some really nice successes. Uh, you know, formally, my background is a master's in math and then a PhD in cognitive sciences. So I've always been interested in how the brain works and how cognition works, uh, relationships between uh, the brain and, and, and the world itself. And... Uh, my previous company was a company we ended up selling for uh, around $600 million. Um, we analyzed conversations. The, the goal there was to unlock the hidden dimensions that govern decision-making and voice conversations in order to understand and enhance human communication. At least that's what I told myself. We ended up helping people sell better, which was also amazing and lucrative, but not really a world changer. So, you know, after Chorus, uh, uh, we, we made some money. We had a nice secondary. I started angel investing. And then I was lucky enough to be introduced to uh, my current co-founder who told me about this huge unmet need in neurology. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually an opportunity to not only uh, um, you know build an amazing company, but actually change the world for the better. So we dug in. Obviously, I didn't have a lot of background at all in uh, in uh, neurology or in healthcare at all. But um, the theme that we were going for was, you know, if in course it was, you can't uh, uh, improve what you don't measure. We measured the sales call here at Neuralite is you can't uh, develop uh, cures for drugs, for diseases you can't measure. And we measure neurological disorders. So it seemed like an amazing challenge. And uh, we were able to group around us some amazing human beings and, uh, and learn very quickly. And uh, so, uh, that's kind of uh, where we are, and I, I really hope that Neuralite becomes my um, magnum opus, uh, our magnum opus, and that we are really able to uh, transform the way neurology and uh, uh, precision medicine for neurology is done today. Yeah, so it, it's interesting you bring up that quote because uh, I, I use that frequently in healthcare, especially because I think we're challenged with that across a number of spectrum. Um, I, it's variously attributed to different people. I attribute it to Lord Kelvin. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased with a British accent. Uh, you know, the 1800s. I've had people argue that the the, the the fact that maybe it was prior to him really doesn't matter. But you're exactly right. If you can't measure it, 
it is very difficult to improve something. Um, and before we get into Neuralite, tell us a little bit about what you were measuring and what you were doing uh, in, in this previous com company. Yeah, so, uh, well, of course, again, it's very far. We were measuring conversations, right? So we were looking at everything from, you know, what were the most important semantic cues? What were the sentiment that were measured? Were there any uh, unseen patterns that, were, that would give away what was, you know, happening in the conversation? We would look to automatically surface differences between great sales rep and mediocre sales reps and bad sales reps. So just give us an example, you know, going back when it was like, Hmm, do is it true that uh, great salespeople ask more questions than less better salespeople? And you know, our intuition was, of course, they ask more questions because they want to get more information. And when we dug in and and let unleashed quote unquote artificial intelligence or AI, we found that our intuition was wrong. Um, all salespeople ask the same amount of questions. It's not about the number of questions; it's about the quality of questions and the type of questions. So, great salespeople ask what's called open-ended questions or questions that elicit uh, longer response times um, and let people actually uncover their pains and talk openly. So those are the kinds of things uh, that we did at Chorus. Another example being, you know, uh, setting action items. We, we would have thought that terrific salespeople set more action items, but in fact, that's not true. It's, it's about when you set the action items. Terrific salespeople set them way earlier up in the conversation so that when they end up at the end of the conversation, you're just recapping something you had already agreed on. So those are kind of things that we surfaced uh, kind of automatically, which really you know, is a nice analogy to what we do at Neuralite, um, namely let the data speak for itself. The way I most like to bring this close to home for people, because most people aren't really acquainted with neurology, but almost everybody knows someone who suffers from some sort of, um, let's call it uh, depression. Uh, when you go into a psychiatrist or a general practitioner, if you're supposed to be suffering from depression, they'll ask you, you know, a battery of questions such as, um, you know, how's your appetite? How's your sleep? How's your libido? Do you have any suicidal thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And after about 20 questions, I'll say, well, it seems that uh, you have depression or it's an MDD or it's increased or not decreased. Let's change the dosage, increase it, reduce it, whatever. And it's like this, right? It, it's, it's entirely, sorry, I was pointing with my finger and I realized it's on the auto. So that it's basically just a guesstimation of, of uh, what is happening. And in fact, the exact same situation happens in these other horrific diseases such as dementia and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and even ALS. Um, so being able to actually not use only uh, this clinical uh, observations and not only these questions, which are inherently subjective by definition, and actually have something like a 25 to 30 percent inner rate or variability, meaning two doctors looking at the same patient same day will disagree with each other 25 to 30 percent of the time. In fact, an even more ridiculous fact. There's a 15% intra-rate or variability, same physician looking at the same patient, same time, not unbeknownst to him that it's the same patient will disagree with themselves 15% of the time. So insanely subjective, extremely non-sensitive measures. So, you know, with Neuralite, it really is about heralding in this, um, uh, uh, these objective and sensitive uh, uh, measurements or biomarkers, as we call them. So I, I think, you know, the important point here is that, you know, that subjective analysis and, you know, let's just cream off a, a, a decent insight, you know, incremental insight from, from this that, uh, you know, the top three list of sales uh, activities that will win you more business is complete 
junk because it doesn't drive into the detail. And I think you beautifully articulated that in that, you know, people go, ask more questions. You know, that's a probably top line item on guidance for new salespeople. And I, I love the sort of dive in. So it sounds like, you know, that was as much about natural language processing. This wasn't about voice so much. Were you an analyzing the tone and the uh, cadence and so forth? Or was this about the words? Uh, of course. Uh, of course, we did both, actually. So we did both um, tone analysis, sentiment as it pertains to voice and, uh, and uh, the semantics themselves. There are various different phenomena that are really, really curious. So people, when they're less confident in different, depending on the culture, they will either end with a higher tone or a lower tone. The more you have an executive presence, um, the, the question mark at the end, right, is, well, you'll increase the tone a little less. Um, it was also about, you know, how, um, how fluent your voice was. How, how many times you had these kind of futter words like, you know, and uh, um, and I mean, and stuff like that. So it was also about uh, the inflection of the voice, the use of how often you cut yourself off, how fluid your voice was. So we analyzed everything. Um, we ended up finding that um, there were very interesting cues that uh, really separated the very top from the middle um, and then from the middle and, and the lower part. And what was really cool at the time is we automatically surfaced key points for um, the people in, 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 in the middle of the batch to be able to improve themselves and surface these key moments that they could train on and, and maybe share with their managers to get uh, uh, to increase the impact maximally for them. So I, I think great insights and, you know, clearly from, from all of that data, just fascinating. I mean, it feels like you could have had a whole career that just focused on improving sales based on the, the insights that you derived. Before we get into Neuralight and, you, you know, what you're doing there, I think it's worth explaining as best as you can why the application of artificial intelligence in this instance is so important. Because as I listen to you, there's a part of me that goes, well, I could have observed that. But I think the reality is that that's not true. Can, can you explain that and, and give people some context? Yeah, for sure. So first, you know, AI means a lot of things to different people, right? There's a meme going around uh, amongst uh, uh, entrepreneurs mostly that says something like, if it's written in PowerPoint, it's AI. If it's written in Python, which is a, a coding language, it's machine learning, right? So often when I hear AI, I kind of shudder because uh, I want to say, wait, we're not charlatans, right? It's not only about throwing in a lot of data and hoping that something beautiful comes out, not at all. Um, we, we were deep into the science and we try to understand also the mechanisms, not only correlations, but also causations. Um, so, uh, you know, we do use AI and mostly also signal processing, which is a type of AI, a little, a little different than standard machine learning, um, to uncover these patterns and be able to extract signals in a very precise way. Indeed, as you, um, you know, kind of insinuated or hinted, um, Bedside uh, evaluation of eyes has been, you know, part of the clinical evaluation for 
you know, since neurology was born, right? You know, all of these diseases as they progress, MS, PSP, Parkinson's, they all, they all do uh, present themselves in the eyes, right? You know, even looking at different Parkinsonism. So uh, if you look at the difference between PSP and Parkinson's, so progressive supranuclear palsy and Parkinson's, you'll see in PSP, you'll see some kind of uh, hypermetric saccadic movement, namely people not being able to actually move all the way, uh, the eyes horizontally and also, kind of uh, on the vertical gaze, they won't be able to, to gaze downwards. Uh, so you see this in standard neurology today, right? Somebody reports that they have Parkinsonian symptoms, but they fall down the stairs a lot. Well, that's probably because they can't look down and don't see where their stairs are. And although PSP and Parkinson's look very, very similar early on, um, you might suspect this is actually PSP and not try to you know, prescribe some uh, uh, dopamin dopaminergetic uh, uh, drugs uh, because it just won't work, right? So um, uh, these uh, clinical assessments have and will always be an important part, but the, the essence of using quote-unquote AI, and I say quote-unquote because it's important to say this isn't a generic uh, blanket term, but rather a deep understanding of the signals, that's what I mean here by AI, both in uncovering them and in analyzing them, is really important to uncover these things, A, with much better precision, B, much earlier on, see uh, in a, uh, um, a continuous way in order to um, both diagnose and monitor the progression thereof and help with the treatment, the dosage administration of the drugs uh, as you uh, develop cures for these drugs, if that makes sense. So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today I'm talking to Micha Breakstone. He is the CEO and co-founder of Neuralite AI. We were just uh, covering off the background to AI and the way that uh, that process is applied. Uh, you did so successfully with sentiment, um, uh, content analysis, uh, intonation, and so forth for voice in a previous instance. And now you've set your sights on this healthcare space. And you know we, we sort of established that the foundation that to be able to improve things we have to measure, and, and we don't have good solid measures for many diseases. And in this particular instance, we're talking uh, neurological diseases that have very widespread impact. Help us understand what it is that you're doing and how you're going about that at Neurolite. Yeah, so... At the very essence of things, what we're doing is we're using standard video, uh, namely taken, captured by, you know, the webcam. Uh, your audience won't see them, but as we're using now, the standard webcam or even a smartphone uh, to take regular video and then use those videos to extract hyper accurate, even sub-pixel resolution features uh, of these uh, eye movements. Um, and put together a signature of every neurological disorder um, and a signature that pertains also to the, the indication itself and also to its acuity, namely how much it's progressed uh, uh, along the clinical um, scale. So for, for example, um, you know, if it's, if we're looking at uh, indication like MS, so MS um, may look uh, uh, quite similar to other um, uh, autoimmune uh, CNS diseases, but we're able to actually extract a specific signature for MS. And then this standard, gold standard that the, the FDA uses called EDSS, uh, usually in normal clinical trials, it usually takes about two years to see a movement on the EDSS scale. We're able to tell a statistically significant change 
uh, in the progression of the disease within three to six months, so much earlier on. So much more sensitive, obviously repeatable because it's, you know, it's objective um, and, um, and very much telling of the disease itself. So basically, you know, in a nutshell, we're taking standard video, extracting uh, subpixel parameters, and creating these signatures A of the indication, B of the acuity or the progression of the disease. So as, as you analyze this, is this confined to ocular movements, the, the movements of the eye, or is it broader than that? Are you looking at a, a, a whole face and other elements? Yeah, so for now, we're focusing uh, exclusively on oculometrics. The reason is there's a, a huge body of, uh, uh, of work, namely over 750 papers published over the last 20 years, showing that these uh, uh, correlations between micromovements in the eye and the progression of uh, a wide spectrum of neurological disorders is extremely robust. Um, what we're doing, and this pertains uh, to your previous question about AI, we're not limiting ourselves to one paper, one set of parameters. Rather, we're looking uh, in one fell swoop, we're extracting over 100 different ocular parameters and putting together this signature. And we believe that this will be uh, more than sufficient to measure, to both uh, diagnose um, in a very uh, accurate way what the, what the disease is and that the, it create a very strong, uh, an, actually a novel standard of measure for the acuity or the progression of the disease. So for now, we're focused entirely on oculometrics, although some of the studies we're joining have, you know, different biomarkers, which are fine. Uh, we don't, it doesn't bother us, but we, we really believe in the power of oculometrics. So I, this is clearly exciting. I, I think there's some tremendous potential to be able to, uh, you know, at, at some point even arrive at a diagnostic capability that would, you know, as we've seen in other instances of camera use case, uh, being able to uh, apply intelligence and, and deliver diagnostic. Where are you on the FDA process? Because they, they have some very strict regulations um, to cover these kind of activities. Oh, for sure. Look, the FDA is going to be a very long journey, right? It's not, we're not, you know, if, we're, if the end goal is to become a, um, a surrogate endpoint for the clinical uh, uh, scales that are used now, that's going to take, uh, you know, say five years, uh, give or take, right, a year or two. Um, we're in the process of submitting uh, our for initial set of data, which we've used for both uh, healthy patients, over a thousand healthy volunteers, and then uh, a, a, a significant number of, of, uh, of patients suffering from indications. Uh, that would be, you know, the standard process is you submit a 510K to show non-inferiority based on, you know, comparing to um, a, a specific uh, measure that or, or device that is used today. And then uh, as we participate in more and more trials with these pharma companies that we're collaborating with, uh, we'll be able to uh, send in more and more of these uh, clinical evidence that what we're doing should be considered as a proxy or as a surrogate endpoint. And uh, that will take time. And for this reason, you know, we're not going directly and selling this uh, to clinicians, right? Or, or you know, to, to uh to patients, the, the go-to-market that we have in mind is uh, partnering with um, uh, companies that are developing drugs, namely pharma companies, in order to help design uh, trials uh, that will be much more successful, more uh, efficient, more effective. I, I don't know 
I, I don't know, you're probably aware of this, but um, CNS drug trials have less than a half uh, of the chance of success than non-CNS drug trials, which is incredulous. Um, and often these fail just because of bad design. Um, so to give you an example, Parkinson's, Early, early diagnosis of Parkinson's is usually 25 to 30% wrong. Uh, so if you have a cohort of 1,000 patients undergoing a uh, Parkinson's trial, you have 250 that don't actually suffer from Parkinson. They'll have, you know, essential tremor or, um, you know, uh, uh, um, PSP or, or um, some other, or MSA or some other uh, Parkinsonism uh, disorder that is early on very hard to tell the difference from Parkinson's. So you end up, you, you, you give this drug, let's say it's really a good drug. So you see a lot of respondents, but you also see 250 that are complete noise because they don't have Parkinson to begin with, right? So in order to overcome those, the, the effect has to be extremely strong. Usually it's not as strong as you would like. So you end up not achieving statistical significance. So the question is, well, what do people do today? Well, they either throw out the agent, the molecule, or have to redo the trial entirely. With Neurolite, basically, you have this tagging of data saying, well, Neurolite suspect this person doesn't have Parkinson's, but rather, say, essential tremor. Um, and then you can reanalyze the data because you've defined it ahead of time without it being considered cherry picking or p-hacking or whatnot, right? So you literally increase the chances of success, basically taking into account a, a, a suboptimal design of a trial. So those are kind of the things that we're able to sell way ahead of any FDA approval, right? And, you know, submitting the 510K is great because it proves that at least we're measuring what we're saying we're measuring, right? You know, and, and in fact, um, I can share that our early indications, we, we measure ourselves against these um, uh, these dedicated hardware devices, I won't name the names of the companies, but, you know, machines that cost $30,000 and are, you have to put your head on a chin rest and sometimes even kind of uh, hold your, your head um, in, in one place, restrain it. We're actually, we've shown that we're within a 1% error margin of these machines. And not only that, but our... Um, the variability we have is much lower. So that probably tends to say, not only are we um, not inferior, we're probably actually superior. And we're not using hardware to do this, we're using software. So namely signal processing um, to, to do that. So I, I think clearly exciting opportunities, exciting times, I think there's many sort of strands. Um, as you think going forward, um, you know, I, I listen to this and think, well, you've got ocular movements, but, you know, I imagine throwing in some other data potentially as part of that, maybe you're going to start to see and create some insights that we don't uh, have at this point. Where, where do you see this going and, and what, what are you excited about? Um, I'm excited about uh, the future and uh, reinventing neurology, right? The way I see our company, um, you know, the previous company was sold for around 600 million. I hope this one uh, IPOs for at least 10x that. Uh, I think neurology is an absolute huge domain. Hundreds of billions of dollars are spent on, on developing cures, um, the, the market is insane, the, the world is getting uh, older and older, and so these neurological disorders often uh, are showing themselves much more. The prevalence is more than doubled, for example, for Alzheimer over the last uh, 10 or 20 years. Uh, so I see ourselves as introducing 
uh, or ushering in this really this this new standard of evaluation and of care and monitoring of neurological disorders and and ushering in this new era of precision neurology, uh, precision medicine for neurology. I really you know this company will be a success if ten years from now we will help develop uh, and potentially even be part of uh, these new drugs uh, as in a you know as a um, companion type diagnostics for these really targeted novel drugs that help uh, uh, solve and cure uh, these terrible, terrible neurological disorders. So I, I think exciting times, plenty of opportunity, as, as you've said, are almost, I don't want to say greenfield, that would be a little bit disingenuous, but certainly wide open in terms of opportunity for filling in the gaps uh, over and above any kind of subjective assessment that we struggle with in uh, you know, this specific area, but I imagine in a number of other areas potentially, not to sort of defocus what your uh, current uh, direction and uh, intent is. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, we've run out of time, so it just remains for me uh, to thank you for joining me on the show. Mika, thanks for joining me on the show. Dr. Nick, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and thank you for the very thoughtful questions and I hope uh, this helps your audience. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at Dr. Nick One on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 